in our series on navigating modern Christianity, and this week I want to talk about overcoming mediocrity. This is going to be a two-part message and just looking at ways that we cannot just look at the church and say, here's what I see that's wrong, but how can we start with ourselves and overcome mediocrity and really go after more of God and see that spirit of revival return to the church today? So we're going to dive into that. And before we jump in, I wanted to remind you that space is filling up quickly for our 2024 Set Apart Conference. It's happening June 7th through 9th in Colorado, or you can join us anywhere you are via simulcast. And if you'd like to join us in Colorado, the on-campus space is filling very quickly. So I encourage you to go to setapart.org and look at how you can register or just click the link in this podcast description. Really excited about this year's theme. It's He is Experiencing the Extraordinary Reality of Jesus. And we are going to be diving deep into what it means to really discovering who Jesus wants to be in our daily lives. Rather than just looking at him as a distant, impersonal Savior, how can we really invite Invite him into every aspect of our life. So I hope you can join us. It's an amazing weekend for women of all ages. Let's talk about overcoming mediocrity. And like I said a minute ago, it's very, very easy to look around at the modern church, to look at what's wrong with modern Christianity. And so often God wants to start with us and say, okay, let me handle the, the problems that you see out there. Start with yourself. Lay your life before me. Are you willing to allow me to walk you through a deepening process, a process of personal revival? And honestly, that is where corporate revival begins, is when we as individuals lay our lives before the Spirit of God in humility and in brokenness, and we say, Lord, send a revival and let it begin with me. One of the things that I often emphasize when I talk about vibrant Christianity is that there aren't any special Christians. We oftentimes look at Christians who have this thriving walk with Christ and do these amazing things with God as special Christians, like they're unique, they're in a different category, and we can't really rise up to that. But really, there are only faithful Christians. And those of us who are willing to not just fit Jesus Christ into our life, but build our lives around Him, will become faithful Christians. Even if we don't ever do anything big or extraordinary or epic for building the kingdom of God, we can shape the course of history. We can influence this world in a very powerful and eternal way by simply saying, Lord, use my life. Take my life and let it be consecrated to thee. And every one of the Christian heroes that I have talked about in this podcast really were just ordinary, everyday people who took one step of obedience at a time, who made themselves unconditionally available to God. And that is the first step in overcoming mediocrity. Mediocrity happens when we just live sort of self-focused lives and we just try to fit Christ in whenever it's convenient. When we're ready to put aside mediocrity and go after Jesus Christ with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that is when he begins to mightily work in our lives and impact this world around us through our lives. I remember sitting in a meeting with a group of Christian publishers, and they were talking about how they decide what books should be published in the Christian industry and what music should hit the Christian market. And they really base it on what women are wanting today, what Christian women are wanting. Because 
Christian women between the ages of like 20 and 60 are kind of their primary demographic. They're the, the main buying audience. And so they were saying, if we can just tap into what women are looking for, and really, as I listened to them have this, this discussion, they were saying, well, women today are busy, and they're exhausted, and they're weighed down with stress and depression and all these issues, and they really cannot handle deep Christianity. They really can't handle challenging messages or messages that push them deeper into a relationship with Jesus Christ. They just need like these little bite-sized, easy to digest pieces of truth that just that doesn't ever rock their boat in any way. And so they were coming up with ideas with like, you know, a Bible that you can read in three minutes a day, or like these little shallow devotionals that didn't take you very deep. And I thought that was very, very eye-opening and also very sad, just to show the state of where the church is at, where women are at, just where the the idea is that, you know, we really don't want more of Jesus. We can't handle that in our lives right now. We need to just keep things really shallow and on the surface. But imagine if we as women decided we wanted to go after Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, not only how our own lives could change and how the communities around us could change, but how the church could change. Because if you think about all of the material that the Christian industry is feeding into the church at large, if it's being primarily influenced by the desires of women in our demographic, then if we begin to truly be hungry for the things of God and desiring to go deeper with Jesus, it would begin to influence the material that's shaping the church today. Now, that is not to downplay the role of men. It just means that with the industry being what it is and being a kind of a money-driven industry, we are the buying audience. And so going after Jesus ourselves will actually help redirect what type of material is being fed into modern Christianity. And in looking at my own life, I realize that God is constantly giving me opportunities to choose between radical devotion to Jesus Christ and comfortable mediocrity. In my early Christian life, it was very, very easy for me to just put a Christian label over my life, to go through the motions of Christianity, label it, okay, I'm a Christian, but not actually build it upon a vibrant daily relationship with Christ. A few years ago, I visited this ministry organization that I had first visited when I was about 16 years old. And when I went there the first time, that was really where I started to feel God calling me to something more. I had lived my life up to that point with just a Christian label. I had had a genuine relationship with Christ when I was younger. And then as I got into my teen years, he got pushed to the back burner, even though I still had a Christian label over my life. But I remember going to this Christian ministry and hearing these really powerful messages and seeing people there that were really on fire for Jesus and feeling God stir my heart. And I began to feel a very clear call that God was asking me to live for more. I began to walk away from the things that were distracting me from Christ. And that, when I look back, is when I really begin to live for real because I was living for Jesus. So when I went back to visit a few years ago, it was really special because I started to remember and relive that time when I was fully committing to go after Jesus with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. There have been a lot of moments ever since then when I've been standing at a crossroads. And the question that is set before me is, am I going to choose the comfortable way or will I choose 
radical devotion to him. And really, when we answer the question with saying, I'm going to choose radical devotion to Jesus, that's when mediocrity just is cleansed out of our life and we have a vibrant, passionate relationship with him. So I can think back to bigger moments. And some of these I've shared in different series before. I remember being at an author's dinner for Christian authors, and every single person who spoke at that dinner was really speaking a false gospel and watering down the truth and bringing in all sorts of weird doctrine and false doctrine into what they were saying. But it was so cleverly and artistically expressed that a lot of people around me weren't seeing it. But those authors got a standing ovation that night. And I remember thinking, I cannot get to my feet and applaud this because I feel like it is against everything that I stand for. I feel like it is against who Jesus really is. And so just making that decision really was hard. Eric and I both remained seated when everybody else was standing because we couldn't stand with the messages that were being spoken. And I remember just it created a lot of discomfort in our publishing relationships and relationships with influential people, but just being willing to say nothing's going to stand in the way of our commitment to Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I remember when God called Eric and I to leave full-time traveling and speaking and begin a discipleship training program, which we've been doing now for 14 years. It's called Ellerslie, and I'm sure you've heard of me talk about it many times. But in, in that time, we were really being called to walk away from security. We had a predictable lifestyle and routine. We had been speaking for years. We kind of knew what to expect. And we had a large platform. Our books were always selling well. And we really felt God was calling us to, to be done with that season and to go deeper with smaller groups of people because we had been in the church and we had seen how easy it was for people to get really excited and really pumped up by a message, but then just go back to their mediocre lifestyle and not really have the discipleship they needed for lasting change in their life. So we wanted to have a place where they could come for that purpose. But that was another decision where I had to say, okay, even if this means we lose security, we lose our platform, we we lose popularity, we're going to say yes to the call of God, even if it makes no sense to anyone else. And then I think about our adoption stories. We've, we've adopted four children, and, and every single one of them, God cultivated within us what we called the pre-decided yes, where we just were open and available to God inconveniencing us with a child, bringing a child into our home because something was set in front of us and a need was set in front of us and we had this predecided yes lord if you show us a need we're ready to say yes to that need and so those were bigger areas bigger decisions where i've had to choose that radical devotion versus just kind of sliding into what's comfortable and what is maybe more selfish but i've also been challenged in small everyday areas and i constantly am how am i going to spend my free time the first time God challenged me with this, I was sitting in a movie theater, and I didn't even question that this is just what you do with your free time. Whenever I had a free night, Eric and I would go you know, to whatever family-friendly romantic comedy was in the theater and just watch that, or we'd go on these like movie marathon binges at home just because we were so tired and so burned out. And then God began to challenge us, are we willing to spend our free time going after Him? Are we willing to say no to some of those temporal things so that we can say yes to some eternal things? And it was life changing. And God began to ask questions to my soul. How am I going to handle my daily relationships? Am I going to walk away from friendships?
friendships or relationships that distract me, that pull me away from Christ? How am I going to approach future decisions? Instead of asking, what do I want? Asking, what does he want? How can I most glorify him? There have been so many times when I've wanted to walk away from ministry just because of the discouragement of seeing modern Christianity. And I remember getting very close one time to saying, I'm done with this. I don't want to do ministry anymore. It's too hard. It's too stressful. And then right around that time, I got a letter from a 12-year-old girl who said, please don't ever stop what you're doing because it's changing lives and it's changed my life. And God used that letter to just show me how selfish I was being and constantly calling me out of my comfort zone to say no to things that sound so nice and so easy and so comfortable, but choose that radical devotion to Him and say no to mediocrity. So in big areas and in small areas, Jesus Christ is calling each of us to forsake everything, to follow him radically in spite of the mediocrity around us. How are we going to respond to that invitation? It is really easy to slide into mediocrity and begin thinking of that as normal when we're surrounded by it. One of the things that I think about in scripture are two very, very different stories. One is the story of the four fishermen that Jesus called to leave everything and follow him. It says, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called to them, and immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. That is so powerful. It reminds me of a story that I heard from Leonard Ravenhill when he was 14 years old, and he felt the call of God on his life. He felt God say to him, will you follow me? And his response to God was this, not only will I not go back, I won't even look back. And he was a tailor and he removed his tailor's apron. And he, from that point on, he was full-time in ministry and in prayer and in evangelism. And I think of the story of Lillian Trasher. I've shared her story before. She was an American woman who began the first Christian orphanage in Egypt, but she was just days away from getting married here in America. And God made it so clear that she was called to the mission field and her fiance was not called to the mission field, and she knew she would have to end that engagement, call off her wedding, and sail across to the other side of the world in order to radically obey what God was calling her to do. And what she said to her close friend was, God has called me to be in service to him on a foreign mission field for the rest of my life, and I can't deny him, not even for a godly man that I love. And giving up everything like that is so amazing. And you see these stories in history, you see these stories biblically where these men and women don't hesitate, even though the sacrifice is really great. And they are, they are trading something that seems so valuable, but what they're gaining is like a truckload of priceless jewels. On the other side, you see a different story in the life of the rich young ruler. What you see in his life is immediate hesitation. Here's the story. Now he was going out, Jesus was going out on the road, and someone came running and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery. And he answered and said, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him, said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come take up your cross and follow me. 
But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And the contrast between that story and the four fishermen, they just immediately left everything and went, and this man immediately hesitated. He had the eagerness. He had enthusiasm. I mean, at first he came running and he knelt before Jesus. He even had the self-discipline and the reverence for God's ways. He had kept God's commandments from his youth, but he didn't have a heart of radical devotion to Jesus Christ. He wasn't willing to give up everything. But he had just been given the opportunity of a lifetime. The Messiah had looked at him with love and had given him this amazing invitation to become his follower. But the invitation also came with a price. And to this man, it was too great a price. He had to give up everything and he couldn't do it. And despite the fact that he was sorrowful, that he couldn't say yes, he didn't turn back around. He kept walking toward the things that he could not seem to give up. Now, maybe you can relate to that kind of inner battle. I know I've had that struggle many times. Maybe you felt a desire to let Jesus take complete control of your life, but then there's that hesitation. The cost might seem too great. The calling might seem too extreme. Maybe other people in your life won't understand. Nearly all of us have been there at one time or another in our Christian journey, and some of us are in that struggle right now. And really, as the world around us becomes more hostile toward true Christianity, we're facing a crossroads between comfortable mediocrity and radical devotion to Jesus. In the midst of an intense pressure to conform to social correctness, even in the church, it's really important that each of us grapple with the question, how far are we willing to go in our devotion to Christ? Is there such a thing as being too extreme in our passion for Him? There's another question that can help us answer that question, and that question is this, is Jesus worth it? When you really grapple with that question, then the question is, is there such a thing as being too extreme for Christ, answers itself. It says in Philippians, what he did for us, being in the form of God, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That is what he did for you and me. He gives all and he asks all. Communion, when we take communion, it's this amazing symbol of him giving everything to us, his body, his blood broken for us. And as we take communion, we're freshly stating my body and my blood for you, Jesus. We're receiving everything he gave us, but we're also offering all that we are to him. And this is one of my favorite quotes from Amy Carmichael. Ours should not be the love that asks how little, but how much. The love that delights to pour out everything on the feet of our beloved. And if we have that hard attitude, we are not going to slide into mediocrity. C.T. Studd, who's one of these famous fiery missionaries from history, said this when he was in the peak of his radical devotion to Christ. He said, don't come to the mission field if you want to make a great name or live long. Come if you feel there is no greater honor after living for Christ than to die for him. And if you don't have that attitude right now, ask God to cultivate that attitude within you, that there is no greater honor than to die for the one who gave everything for you. And that's something he can cultivate in your soul if you feel like you're struggling to remember all that he did for you and to remember that he is worth it. 
We need to embrace what the world might call extreme and unnecessary devotion to Christ, or even what others in the church might call extreme or unnecessary devotion. I've shared this story before in different episodes, but that picture in scripture of David's mighty men who went and broke through the camp of the Philistines and brought a drink from the well of Bethlehem to David simply because he desired it. They risked their lives. They went straight toward the danger just to fulfill their king's slightest request. And David poured out the drink before the Lord. He would not drink it because he said, shall I drink the blood of these men who have put their lives in jeopardy for at the risk of their lives they brought it? And that is such an incredible picture of radical devotion to Christ. If we can have that same willingness to go straight toward the most dangerous situations, the most uncomfortable situations, to say yes to something our king desires, that's radical devotion to Christ. Another great picture of radical devotion is the story of Mary of Bethany. And even just looking how others that were close to Jesus responded to her worship of him is really interesting. It says that when Jesus was in Bethany reclining at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those presents were indignantly saying to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Do we have that kind of devotion to Jesus Christ? Are we willing to charge into the most dangerous situations or lavishly pour out our most valuable possession on him just because we love him, even when others in our life might criticize us, even when they don't understand, even when they say that what we are doing is extreme and unnecessary? There is mediocrity all around us in modern Christianity. People who think that radically giving everything to Jesus is extreme, it's unnecessary, we, it's only for special Christians, or it's just foolish. But never forget, what Jesus did for us was extreme and unnecessary, if you want to look at it that way. It was his choice to redeem us, and yet he chose to do that anyway because of his amazing love. Extreme and unnecessary acts of love for Jesus are never wasted. They are precious in his sight. As he said of Mary of Bethany, she has done a beautiful thing for me. When we think that giving everything to Jesus is extreme and unnecessary, we miss the heart of true Christianity. As Leonard Ravenhill said, what does it mean to be a Christian? Your life is hid with Christ. You are not your own. You have no time of your own, no money of your own. Christ must become your complete master. And that is really how we overcome mediocrity. There's really no other way to do it. You know, I think we sometimes want the easy way. It's like, well, I don't want to be a mediocre Christian, but I don't want to be a radical Christian. And we want to waffle somewhere in the middle. But unless we are radically going after Jesus, we're going to fall back into that pattern of mediocrity. There's really no middle ground. I want to share in this episode one very practical way to go after more, to forsake mediocrity, and to choose that radical devotion to Jesus Christ. And it's this pursuing Jesus first. It's really easy to talk about putting Christ first in our lives without really doing it. And as women, we are prone to put a lot of other things before Jesus. It could be career. It could be friends, social media popularity. It could be marriage or a relationship. It could be friendships. It could be accomplishments or even ministry. There are a lot of us as women that go into ministry more for our own benefit rather than as a decision to follow Jesus Christ wherever he calls us. And we often try to add Jesus in as an afterthought. 
All of these pursuits, whether it's marriage or family or friendships or ministry, can be good, but they're not the first thing, the most important thing. What is the first thing? Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seeking first the kingdom of God. When we pursue Jesus as our highest priority, everything else in our life naturally falls into place and our life eternally impacts others. Leonard Ravenhill is a story I've told many times on this podcast, and I'm just going to summarize it really quickly. When he was 14, it was his father's zeal and passion for God that awakened him spiritually. He said, I got saved at 14. I'm 84 now. I've seen all kinds of tragedies in the church. I've seen wars and rumors of wars. I've seen popular men go unpopular. But I keep looking to Jesus and remembering these old paths that my daddy used to talk about so much, and it makes the rest look like trivia. What I love about that story is here's an 84-year-old godly man, and he doesn't think back to his education or the material things that his family had. He remembers his father's zeal for the Lord, his absolute radical devotion for Jesus Christ. And that passion that his father had is still impacting his life, even at the age of 84 years old. And it challenges me to ask the question, it should challenge all of us to ask the question, is that what our families and friends will remember about us? Will they remember our social media presence, our abilities, our accomplishments, even our zeal for certain political ideas or our zeal for certain doctrines within the church? Or will they remember our passion for Jesus Christ? And I know for me, that is what I want to be remembered for. The only way that we can cultivate that kind of passion for Jesus is to spend focused, purposeful time with him, to pursue him first, to build our lives around him rather than just fitting him in. How do we do that in the middle of our busy, distracted lives? This is something I struggle with often. And I've told you many times before that mindset of saying not, I'm too busy to pray, I'm too busy to spend time with Christ, but I'm too busy not to pray. To pray. I'm too busy not to sit at his feet every day and hear his word. As Corey Ten Boom said, don't pray when you feel like it. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. And again, we've talked on this podcast about the parable of the banquet table where the king prepares this lavish feast and then invites all of these people to come to his banquet table and they all make excuses. One bought a piece of land, one just got married, one has to go test out this ox that he bought or whatever it is that I'm sure to all of them, those excuses seemed very valuable, but they are exchanging something so temporal and they are giving up something that is eternal and lasting. And when you contrast that mindset with the men who wanted to get their paralyzed friend to the feet of Jesus, and they would not let anything stand in their way. There was a huge crowd blocking them. There was a house in the way. Jesus was in the midst of the house. They had no way to get there, but they actually went up to the roof, took off the tiles, and lowered their friend down at his feet because they said, nothing is going to keep us from getting that man to Jesus' feet. And that's the attitude that we have to have, not the attitude of those who made excuses and didn't go to the banquet table, but the attitude of those who who said, whatever we have to do, we're going to get to the feet of Jesus. I've sometimes told the story of John Wesley with Lord Byron. He was invited to meet with this very powerful man, and people would wait a year to get an audience with Lord Byron, and he was invited to spend the evening with him, but he left early, and Lord Byron said, how could you be leaving? And John Wesley said, I have an appointment with the king of the universe, and I dare not be late, and I dare not be tired. 
That's called having your priorities straight. There is a simple biblical solution for putting Jesus Christ first in our lives, and it can be found in Psalm 27, 8. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. It really is that simple, although we often balk at doing that, that one thing that is going to cause us to keep Jesus in his rightful place, sitting at his feet and making him the highest priority of our lives. When we truly pursue Jesus first, we will begin to echo the words of David Brainer when he said, one hour with God infinitely exceeds all the pleasures and delights of this lower world. So just like a marriage is going to to suffer if a couple never spends any time together, so will our relationship with Christ if we just push him to the back burner. One missionary that I talked with, even though she was giving her life for the glory of God, she said, my biggest struggle is not the struggles of missionary life. It's the fact that I want to spend more time on social media than I do in prayer and the word of God. Let's not let that be our story. I want to share with you just a few practicals of growing spiritually during busy seasons. And these are things I've shared before, but when it comes to overcoming mediocrity, and just as a reminder, when we personally choose to overcome mediocrity and choose radical devotion to Christ, the world around us, the church around us will change for the positive, for the better. And so here are some practical ways to do this. You might think this is just about you and your own relationship with God, but it will have an impact on the church around you. First, be creative with your time. Look for opportunities in every day. It might be listening to audio scripture around the house. It might be listening to powerful Christian biographies on audiobook as you do other tasks. It might be praying every time you get in your car to drive somewhere. It might be reading scripture or praying in spare moments of your day instead of just mindlessly scrolling social media. It might be finding those really short but powerful devotionals to read every day, whether it's Daily Light or My Utmost for His Highest or Streams in the Desert, those classics that have so much depth in just a few sentences. And it might mean putting boundaries around your media time, your social media, your other distractions. It's also important to remember as Amy Carmichael said, the spirit can sit at the master's feet while the hands are busy serving others. So even if you're a busy mom, even if you have a very full life, your spirit can be abiding with Christ. Here are a few other tips that I want to share. Get back up on the horse when life bucks you off, when things go crazy, whether you get sick or your family members get sick or there's a trip or a move or something that comes in. It can just be really easy to stop running to the feet of Jesus every day and let that become your new normal. Even when the crisis has passed, it's easy to just kind of stay in that state of mediocrity, but just make a decision that as soon as you possibly can, you're going to get right back into that place of going to his feet every day. Also expect and be prepared for spiritual attacks when you begin to make Christ your highest priority and learn how to resist them and say no, whether it's thoughts or mental distractions or practical distractions, take authority over whatever enemy attack is coming against you and just say, no, I bind this, I resist this, nothing's going to keep me from going to the feet of Jesus. And keep pressing forward no matter what. The enemy will often try to tell you, this isn't doing any good, you're not feeling anything, you don't feel the presence of God, you know, he's not really working in your life. Keep pressing forward with your life, with a decision of your will, and soon the experience and the emotions will be there, but it really starts with the decision no matter what's happening in your emotions or your experience. 
One of the most obvious shifts in our schedule to show us if we're really putting Jesus first is where do we go for refueling? When we're tired, when we're, we're in need of a reset, we often look at our free time as our, as our right. Like, this is my time. This is me time. It's our right to engage in self-indulgent distractions. But when we look at the life of Christ, we see a totally different pattern. The way he refueled was very different. It says in Mark 1, 32 through 35, at evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And then in the morning, having, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Now you think about the demand on Jesus, the whole city has gathered at his door and he spends the entire night healing and setting people free. And instead of then saying, okay, now I just need a reset. I'm just going to go veg and go brain dead. He goes away to be with the father and prays. And that is where we can go for true lasting refueling. Even in his free time, Jesus constantly said, not my will, but yours be done so that he could become a sacrifice on our behalf. Are we willing to make that same sacrifice for him? Here's how I want to conclude today's episode. If we want to cultivate lasting passion for Jesus Christ, we should look at every moment of our day and ask whether our choices are leading us closer to him or distracting us from him. It's not just the big choices that matter, but the small moments that seem maybe insignificant because we always need to remember that he is worth it. If we're serious about overcoming mediocrity, then there's no area of our life that should be kept hidden from his searchlight, no area of our life that we should cling to and not lay at his feet. The one who gave everything for us is worthy of everything in return. And if we as Christian women today make that purposeful decision to overcome mediocrity and build our lives around Christ, that's when powerful change is going to come to the modern church. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into these truths, visit us at setapart.org and look at the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ.